will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome everyone to episode 417 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak, and today I am joined by rugby league historian, published author, the leading statistician in the entire world of rugby league, Andrew Ferguson. How are you today, Andrew? Um, yeah, I'm, look, I'm doing all right. How are you going, mate? I'm going really well. That's you know. Good to hear. Looking forward to State of Origin 3, The Decider. The Decider. I saw that uh, Freddie Fittler said that New South Wales has to win this game. And I, I just thought that if he'd said that, like at the start of the series, that New South Wales had to win it, it just would have meant that we didn't have to play three games. It would have been great. Just would have saved a lot of people a lot of trouble, really. I wonder how long it took him to figure out that yeah. the, the Blues need to win this game. It's a very it's complicated. Do you reckon there was a like a, a a brainstorming session with the rest of the New South Wales coaching panel that would have sat around a table looking at the numbers, going one win, one loss, only one game left. If I actually Queensland heard that wins, were... hang on, they've got two and we've got one. Hey, heard, we I need to they, win this one. They brought in Ricky Stewart's whiteboard. Hey, ooh, they've gone all out. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll get into origin later on. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about at start the podcast, and we've talked about it a little bit over the last number of weeks, are coaching directors at clubs and how uh, normally coaching directors are brought into clubs that are not going all that well. And they're brought in by boards and CEOs who are either incapable of making decisions or they know they're not the right person to make any decision, so they get somebody else to do it, and they can use that person as a scapegoat as well. Or the or the board's too gutless to do it themselves. Yeah. Because, yeah. It, because it's an admission that they've done the wrong thing to start with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we've seen uh, a few coaching directors come in, and one thing that they all have in common is that they decide that the coach is the problem, and they all end up sacking the coach. Uh, now, the West Tigers brought in Tim Sheens as a coaching director, and Tim Sheens had a look at the situation in front of him. He had a premiership winning coach in Michael Maguire, who had done a lot of work with a club that was really going nowhere. He was doing his best. Just when it looked like they were getting somewhere, he decided that the club needed some stability, and so he sacked Michael Maguire, brought in... Brett Kamali as the interim coach because they needed somebody in place to be able to attract uh, players on the player market. But Brett Kamali won't be there next year. It's pretty clear. And in the last couple of days, Tim Sheens has put his hand up to be the new coach of the West Tigers next year. Can you tell me what you feel in regards to this? Um, hashtag new era. Um, I think we might recall back at the start of the year when the West Tigers brought out that hashtag. 
Mm-hmm. And the first thing I, I said and thought was, well, this is going to be a load of bullshit. And we go through the new era, and what have they done? They've sacked the coach, which they've done plenty of times before, especially in recent times. Um, they brought Tim Sheens to the club, which they'd done once before. Um, they now don't know what the fuck they're doing with their halves. They've got no forward pack, which they've done before. That's another Sheens thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make a prediction here. If Tim Sheens does become coach, completely expect Luke Garner to play 5-8 at some point. Because I think Luke Garner is on his way to Penrith next year, actually. Well, that means he's got the rest of this season to get the 5-8. <laughs> Don't fucking rule it out. Um, they've, <laughs> they've had a halfback who they'd go on to get rid of and then replaced with someone who's worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be surprised if either Hastings or Dewey or Brooks, one of those three, leaves the club and they bring in someone far worse. Um, because that's that's a Tim Sheen's thing. He loves doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, remember when they had Scott Prince? Yes. Yeah. Remember his replacement? No. <laughs> yeah, it was a hooker by the name of John Morris. Oh, there you go. And Tim Sheens believed he could make him the next Cooper Cronk. And well, uh, yeah, know. he didn't because because John Morris was a very, very solid, reliable, dependable hooker. First grader. Yeah, but he was, he was a very good hooker, which at the time, the Tigers already had one of those in Robbie Farrar. At his, not even at his peak at that stage. He's still getting better. Um. And so Morris languished in the languished in the house for three or four seasons and then went to Cronulla and became hooker over there and played really well again. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine my fucking surprise. Do you think that it's uh, an interesting situation for Sheens to be asked to come in and assess the coaching situation at the West Tigers, decide to sack the premiership winning coach that was in place and having to give him a big payout in the process. And then within a month, say, you know who would be the best coach for this club? Tim Sheens. Do you think that there's a little bit of a issue there? Because I've got to say that if I was in Tim Sheens position and the club begged me to take over the coaching job, I would say there is no way I can do that and keep any shred of integrity I have. But he's got no integrity. That's the thing. He's got none. The end, the end of 2011, the Tigers, I mean, we've got to cast our minds back this far, okay? When the Tigers last made the finals, 2010-2011, the end of 2011, the Tigers had actually built themselves at that stage, more through luck than anything else because of the amount of juniors that he had been bringing through in the past. But they actually had all started working together and things were falling in place rather well. It was sort of clumsy from the coaching perspective at that stage because for the few years prior to that, he'd gone from being um, passionately devoted to bringing through tons of juniors, which the Tigers went through for a fair phase from 2004 to 2008, 2009, and they just started buying players. 
who didn't necessarily fit what the club was trying to do, but they bought them anyway because they were available. That's kind of when this that whole bullshit started. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was a shame last, thing. That can't last forever, though. I mean, it's only been going for 11 years now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it can. <laughs> um, but he kind of lost his way a little bit. But once the 2012 season started, um, and this is going to be like, – some people are going to find this hard to believe, but the – a lot of commentators, and especially the the um, um, gambling markets, stuff like that, all had the West Tigers being in their premiership window. 2012 was going to be their year. Remember, this is when Benji Marsh was at the peak of his game. Robbie Farrow was at the peak of his game. I think Benji might have been the board's best player at this stage. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, very good, solid squad there as well. Um, depth was a bit eh. But, uh, yeah, they were tipped to to be, you know, one of the top three premiership contenders that year. And Tim Sheens reportedly said in a uh, in a conversation with the club board at the start of the year that if the Tigers don't make the finals in 2012, he will stand down. And surprise, surprise, the Tigers finished ninth or 10th, didn't make the finals, and he didn't stand down. So he didn't stick true to his word, reportedly, allegedly, all those words. So the Tigers said, well, we're going to make you stand to your word. We're going to sack you. So they sacked him. And so he dug his heels in and he hung around and he hung around and refused to go. And then he ended up winning a – I don't know if they went to court or not. They were, I think they were going to. But the club ended up paying you, paying him out, which was a few million dollars. But, yeah, like a club can't pay out that many coaches in the row over 11 years, can they? Oh, this club will. Because, you know, the books are in order. So they've got tons of money, so we can afford to have a few coaches on the books at once. Wouldn't it be funny if it turned out the 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 money they were paying out to coaches doesn't actually go on their accounting records <laughs> for the NRL club, and that's the only way that they balance their books? And it's like when you look at the overall like organisation that is the West Tigers, they're actually in the red by millions because of all of the millions they've paid out these coaches that aren't there anymore. Well, I think... In 2015, going off memory here, I think in 2015, that was when I think they still had to pay out a bit of Mick Potter's contract. They were still paying out Tim Sheens, and they just hired Jason Taylor. Mm -hmm. So they had three at once. Mm. That was pretty solid. Um, Pretty solid work indeed right there. But, Good coaching staff when you think about it. Yeah. It's just a shame solid. none of them were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he lost his credibility there. And, I mean, a lot of Tigers fans will tell you too that even by 20, yeah, 2009, 2010, he'd been there too long. And he got a lot of people off his back by getting the Tigers back into the finals in 2010 and 2011. But even a lot of the selection process that was going on. The Tigers in 2010 and 2011, I liken them to Leighton Hewitt as the world's number one tennis player. Mm. And that's in the sense that the competition wasn't very strong then. So it was pretty easy to get to being one of the best teams in the comp. A lot of teams were transitioning because the rules were changing Mm. and the Tigers were just sort of, like 2005, they were just kind of in the right place at the right time and things are just sort of in their favour. And and I think also the fact that Benji Marshall was so good, 
Yeah. Like there were so many games where Benji Marshall literally won the game for them. Yeah, and around that 2008-2009 sort of period there, the arsey bullshit he'd pull out of his backside that um, worked 50% of the time, started working 60% of the time, then 70% of the time, then 80% of the time, um, to the point where he's just fucking unstoppable. Yeah, um, I mean, even now you see players throwing flick passes and you're like, you can't do that. You're not Benji Marshall. Stop doing yeah. that. <laughs> That's right. Um, so that was that was pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, Sheens', Sheens reluctance to leave when it's pretty clear he had to and then demanded to get paid out um, and then happily walks back a few years later after going to, was it whole KR? Yeah, I think it was whole KR. He was there for a little bit. And was that the um, place where he turned Kane Linnett, a almost NRL quality winger, into a Super League second rower? I'm not sure, actually. I, I tried. I pay. I, I'm as a Hull FC fan. I don't need to pay any attention to Hull KR and what they do because they not don't even, do anything. Not even for shits and giggles, like you, nah. like, you like a Panthers fan would do with the West Tigers. Who? Oh, haven't you? Haven't you got a rivalry? Hull FC and Hull KR, kind of like Penrith and West. <laughs> Not really. It's the same sort of rivalry. It's like, you know, the the thing is Dom- though, it's like dominance and submission rivalry. Pretty much, pretty much. I uh, only one of these two parties is wearing the gym suit. <laughs> now it's twenty twenty two, and it looks mm. like in twenty twenty three, it's going to be Tim Sheens as the coach. And uh, we we have joked that these coaching directors, at the heart of the matter, they all decide that the best person to coach is themselves. Well, let's be honest, the only person they know um, knows how to coach is themselves. Yeah. A good coach can coach a lot of different players to do a lot of different things and get the best out of each other. They're the only person they know that can do that. You know, like... Yeah, yeah. Tim just Sheens, ask them. Tim Sheens can't look at anybody other than Tim Sheens and go, oh, yeah, I can see what he's doing there. Well, he the thing only is, knows too, what like, he knows because they do have this massive ego, which you've mentioned before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's and the nature of coaching. Like, every single coach, every single last one, even, you know, Justin Holbrook at the, at the Gold Coast Titans... He looks at Craig Bellamy's game plan and says, I see where he's making mistakes here because yeah. that's the job. Yeah, and I'm reminded of um, uh, a, a comedy skit. I can't remember who does it now. Um, but at the end of it, this rather um, dull individual, he looks at someone doing something like, like a superhero and just sort of looks at him and very begrudgingly says, I could have done that. That but, sounds like but, what Twitter is, hey? <laughs> yeah, but but says it with an ego, like you know, I could have yeah. done that. I just chose yeah. not to. Yeah, you know that that's kind of what's going on here with, with coaching directors, pretty much, and coaches. Um, coaching directors, as essentially what we've said before, is um, it's just code for suck your current coach so we can get the coaching director to be the coach. Pretty much, yeah. And the thing that the thing that gets me particularly about this West Tigers situation is that, look, Mike Maguire, when he got sacked, you and me both said, best thing for Mike Maguire, 
that could have happened. Um, he was in a bad situation. He was doing about as good as you could have hoped for, but he had, he, he had like 15 different things that he was working against at that club. And he'll go on to a different, uh, you know, a different club. He's the current New Zealand, uh, coach. So he'll have the World Cup to deal with. And then I think he'll get another NRL job. But, um, then they bring it, they decide to give Brett Kamali the role. And if Tim Sheens has sacked Maguire, then told Kamali, well, you're the coach for the rest of the year with an eye on himself being the coach. It's fucking low. I'm sorry. Like, no, it is. And that's some low shit because not only has he fucked off Maguire, they've got to pay out Maguire now. He has also basically thrown Kamali under the bus for the rest of this year. And I, I just can't believe that he would do that. I can't believe that anyone would have the fucking balls to do that. Well, see, the plan is, right, is Tim Sheen's, he's the master coach, okay, because he knows the first thing you need to do in the coaching game is have your excuse ready before you take the job on. So what he's got himself set up for here, right, is that he'll go, you know what, I'll say to the board, look, Kamali's good. But let's be honest, he's a bit green, and we can't have someone a bit green taking over this this club. They they need a they need an older, steadier pair of hands. Someone who's been around the block a few times. And you know, I had a look the other day, admittedly in the mirror, and I went, found him. That guy, that yeah, guy's exactly. done it. Exactly. Um, so you know what? You know, reluctantly, I'll take the job. But knowing that I've taken it, you know, a bit a bit late in the process for signing new players, so you know we're going to be behind the eight ball next year. We'll probably get the spoon because we haven't had, you know, you the board haven't actually appointed a proper head coach until now. When I've told you when to appoint one, um, and I've told you to appoint me, it's too late to actually get new players. So we're not going to be able to recruit anyone. Um, so the roster's not going to improve. It's probably going to get worse. There's talk that Isaiah Papali's may not uh, even come. He might, um, you know, do a do a 180 on his deal and go back yeah. to Parramatta. There's been a lot of talk though out of the West Tigers that they're standing firm and that they, you know, they've got an ironclad contract with him and he won't be going anywhere. And the first thing oh. I thought was, well, so did Michael Maguire first oh. of all. And say, so did uh, Luciano Leilua. Until I was going to say, I remember, I remember talk, them talking like that when um, they had Ivan Cleary as coach. Well, yeah. You know, look how that worked out. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> really good things for Isaiah Papali'i, hey? Um, the only thing is, though, okay, Papali'i's only going to be getting paid second row of money at Parramatta. I mean, he could be getting halves money at West Tigers. True, true. But, like... I think that I've always said that when you're in a good situation as a rugby league player, and I always use Brett Kamali, funnily enough, as the example of a player that was in this fantastic situation down there in Melbourne. Uh, he took, he went for more money elsewhere, and he did that basically for the rest of his career, and he never, ever got anywhere near as good as the situation that he had down in Melbourne. Now, he had other people come in and, and take his place, down there in Melbourne, and they were in a great situation. And he must 
look back at his career and really think like, man, if I'd have just stayed in Melbourne, I probably would have made more money in some other way than I would have just chasing my career around from club to, to club. And I think that it's interesting when you see players that, you know, they sign a big deal and look, they've got people around them saying, oh, you've got to go for as much money as possible early, as quick as you can and stuff. And I get that. But when you're on really good money at a club you're happy at and you're in a good situation, sometimes, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, why the fuck am I going anywhere else? And I so I can see where a play would do that. And they just sort of think, man, I'm really fucking happy here at Parramatta. I come over from New Zealand Warriors and and I've made a star out of myself. Why am I leaving? Mm. Chasing the coin. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's 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 funny. It's sometimes it's not worth it. It's not worth it, not at all. Um, funny enough, like going off on a tangent here, but I always thought Brett Morley would have been an absolute fucking superstar if he had played the game in the eighties and nineties because he played so flat. He would have been really good in the five meter rule era. Plus, he's got that. Um, more stocky build, so you would have been able to handle that contact close to the line. Yeah. But uh, that wasn't working so much when the defence had an extra five metres and everyone was standing back a bit deeper. You've got more room to work with. He still went to the line and started playing really flat, and it only worked for a brief period of time. Um, and then every coach he played with, other than Chris Anderson, didn't like playing flat, and that kind of fucked him. So it didn't matter where he went, he was going to have that issue everywhere. Kind of white sort of chased Anderson a little bit. Not well, yeah, and he chased, chased his situation that he had in Melbourne. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, the weird thing about Kamali at the Tigers is I believe there was some talk um, that he was trying to get the players to just enjoy their football, have a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the last three games... Actually, I'm going to say two and a half because I've got so tired of watching this dreadful fucking team play football right now. Um, I don't know where they're supposed to be having fun. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's no surprise to me, but right now they've gone from a team that was struggling to compete for the full 80 minutes in defence and attack, but actually had some structure about them. Um, to a team now that still can't compete for that full 80 minutes, but now doesn't have the structure either. So you watch them go upfield, and they might go, if they're coming out of their own half, it'll just be five forwards doing hit-ups and then a kick at the end. If they're, if they're at half and they start the set, there'll be maybe two hit-ups, and then they start going left and right. But they're not close enough to the line to be a threat. They're still like 35 metres out, and they're already spinning the ball left and right not going forward, and the defence just numbers up one-on-one. And so they don't get around anywhere. And so they go left, can't find space, which means the only place they've got left is middle or right, so they go all the way right. And all they're doing is that they're allowing the defence to get one-on-one, number up the whole way through. So you're not going to go around them. This is it's basic fucking football. You make the defence contract by doing hit-ups in the middle. You make all the forwards come in the middle, then you create the gaps out wide. We see this a lot from every other club, but the Tigers do this stupid 
coast to coast fucking thing, side to side. It's so dumb. It doesn't work. And then defensively, they are so slow to move. Yeah. I've, I've never seen a, a team so slow to move left and right. They, the sliding defense reacts to the attack instead of working kind of at the same speed as what the attack's moving along at. And then you just see random gaps just appear out of nowhere. People, you know, one player just sort of notices that, oh, fuck, I'm getting a bit caught out here. I'll just run up in the out of the line and see if I can shut, shut down the play. Sometimes it works because, you know, there might be a player with a, who's got the ball in the hand and they're not an experienced half. So they just go, fuck, what do I do? I'll just run it. And they get caught. And then you get someone who's got a little bit of nouse about them and just goes, oh, here's a gap. Long ball, dry. Um, and the amount of times this team turns off just completely fucking shuts down, gone. And then someone hits the reboot button and turns it back on again. Oh, we're fucking back in action. Um, they're a mess. Everything about what that club is doing right now since Maguire got sacked is an absolute mess. Yeah, it's crazy that in the space of a month, it could somehow have gotten so much worse so quickly. I mean, I'm looking... And we'll I'll do a preview of the upcoming NRL round after Origin is over. But uh, at the moment they've named uh, Jackson Hastings at lock, which is oh just my God. it's I I, I can't even put into words. I I've lost words for how dumb it is. Um, the thing is Adam, this whole lock Adam, thing, you know, Harz playing at lock sometimes worked in the early two thousands, but that was only because we had a lot of five eights who were built like forwards, like Brad Fittler, Trent Barrett, they could handle that contact. Oh, and by the way, giant dudes themselves. Yeah. Like giant, giant dudes. Like they yeah. were giant five-eighths. Yeah, and Hastings is big for a, for a five-eighth or a halfback in England where they don't play the same style of football as we do in Australia where it's you've got to make the metres up through the middle first before you go wide. In England, it's all just let's just go wide. So you can be essentially, and I quotation marks, you can be a middle forward if you've been a half. You don't have to do as much of the work in the middle as you do in the NRL. So Hastings at lock in Super League works as a concept that will work. But it, it won't in the NRL. It's too well, structured. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think that... The, the elephant in the room is Luke Brooks. I, I don't care how nice a dude he is, you know. I don't care how much pressure's on him. He's on a million bucks a year. I'm sorry, I can't feel sorry for a, a footy player on a million bucks a year. He is the start of their problems because he is not a first-grade quality player. He's actually getting worse as time goes on. Like, he, he's he's detrimental to their performances, and the fact that they've they've put Dewey at five eighth, they've got Brooks at half back, and they've got Hastings at lock. It it's like what the fuck are we doing here? I'm sorry, this is stupid. Now I don't care about what high minded, you know, ideas they've got about this extreme ball playing that they're going to have in this side. It's all a load of shit. They're in last place, like. They're shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. 
Which is a Sheen thing, man. He fucking loves this. He does. And it's like all of this clever bullshit is not going to work. Like Jackson Hastings is playing in the same position as Jason Tomalolo. Yeah. Like, but fuck this, off. This has got all the hallmarks of Tim Sheen, though. This is well, what best, Tim Sheen's always did. The best ball player we've got in the game as a, as a, a lock is Isaiah Yo. And he's fucking gigantic. Okay. <laughs> It's like he's an anomaly. That's why he's so fucking good at that role. Every other lock in the game is a giant. And this idea that Jackson Hastings, it's he's on a hiding to nothing. Like if I'm Jackson Hastings, I'm saying to my manager, get me the fuck out of here. I could go and play for the Dolphins next year or something. These cunts have me playing at fucking lock. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Isaiah Yo. He doesn't look like a massively heavy unit, but he's 106 kilos. Yeah, he looks like a fucking accountant. Yeah. But he's a giant human being with great footwork, and it's not like he's – it's not like you look at him and you say, this guy should be a 5'8". He's not that good of a ball player, but for a lock, he's a really good ball player, and he works really well with his hooker and his halves. And it's just a nice unit that they've got there at Penrith. That's what she said. <laughs> but he's, he's 195 centimetres tall. He's 106 kilos. Yeah. Hastings is 11 centimetres shorter and 11 kilos lighter. Yeah. That's noticeable. It's not fair to Jackson Hastings. No. I just, I don't understand it. <laughs> and I, I just look at this, this West Tigers team and... and I don't even know. It's the whole thing. It's just the whole thing. Like from the whole club, there's like maybe two or three people I would take from the entire organization and be like, oh, yeah, them. Like it it was weird. I was watching Luke Garner early in the year, and I'm like, this dude's got a little something, you know. He's played a bit of second row. He can move out to the centers. Well, they lose him. Great. Dewey. We've seen Dewey. He's a pretty handy player. You know, I, I've said that I'm not his biggest fan, but he's a pretty solid first grader and he tries his ass off. You've you got know? to look at it this way, okay. Do you think Dewey has been pretty good at the West Tigers, considering how well the West Tigers have played oh, and what the West Tigers roster have got? But okay. Maybe their if, best player over the time he's been there. Yeah. So take that into consideration. Think how badly that Tigers roster is, how poor they play mm-hmm. and think, yeah, you know what? He's been their shining light. Mm. It's hard to be a shining light in a team that is so poor. Yeah. So he must be pretty good. Look, even Jackson Hastings, he comes in and he he basically is playing around Brooks early on in the year and he, he looks all right in the West Tigers team. So what do they do? They start fucking him around, moving mm-hmm. him around. It's well, like because well, this is another problem they got is there's all this talk about all the leaks that come out of the West Tigers club. And so every time the media comes out and says the Tigers are going to do this, they're like, if we do it, then we confirm that the leaks are true. So let's not do it. And it's kind of like the persistence with Luke Brooks now is because the media's been going on about how Brooks is going to get dropped. And so they're saying, no, 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 we're going to defy the media and we're going to keep him in the side. And who makes that decision? You know, who who is the well, one that does. says exactly? And you know, if he wants to be a coach, 
I just can't believe what he's done. I really can't. He should be well, ashamed of himself. Speaking of leaks, mm-hmm. there's an article that came out uh, earlier today. Tigers power brokers are reportedly pushing for the club to make a big money play to lure Mitchell Moses back to Concord because we need a few more halves. Well, any time that you can spend big money on an underskilled halfback, you've got to do it. <laughs> You know, hey, 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 you know, if you if you can do it once, you may as well do it twice at the same time. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm pretty sure when you look at uh, Mitch Moses' resume, it's pretty fucking there. I mean, you are looking at it. He's like all of those Parramatta players. You kind of think, well, what have they ever won? Yeah. Oh man, it's fucking insane. I I just think that. Uh, and, and you wonder, is anybody in management ever accountable? A CEO isn't ever accountable. I don't know. If I was him, I'd just go on holidays all the time. He's going to fucking sack him. No one's going to sack him. The board is just a merry-go-round of fucking poses and people that don't give a fuck. They just love to be able to say, oh, I'm a board member in the NRL. They don't give a fuck. The coach is now going to be like, it, it's like, you know, he's setting up this situation for himself. He's going to end up getting sacked. Yeah. Down the track. Maybe he just is thinking to himself, look, I put myself in a coach. I do one and a half bad seasons and they pay me out another three or four seasons. Oh. I've done this before. I'll do it again. And the juniors are all fucking frittering away. They're all going to other clubs. And meanwhile, Campbell Town's down there wanting a football team and they're all at Concord. Um, fucking unbelievable. Okay, so we can't talk about the West Tigers for forever, especially no. seen as we're in round 17 coming up. Is it and round the, 17 or 18? I think it's 18 coming up. And yeah. Especially we, since we're up to round 17, round 18, and the Tigers don't matter anymore. Yeah, uh, it, once we get into September, we don't need to talk about the West Tigers. It's uh, or, one of the privileges. August. That's, I think that's what Brett Kamali was talking about when he said he wanted a happy football team. He's thinking about September when they're all in Bali, getting yeah. bad tattoos and whatever else. Um, or July, even. <laughs> maybe June. Is June a bit early? Ah, if only. Um, now, Brandon Smith got suspended for three weeks for calling the referee a cheating bastard in the last <laughs> round of games. I thought that he might have got more than that because it yeah, had been Yeah, I would have given him more. Yeah, I would have given I thought six weeks maybe just because I think six weeks is absolutely brutal for that. But yeah. I'm sure that if they gave him six weeks, no one would ever say that again. Yeah, I'd have done – I'd have been fine with six weeks. You can't go around – whether you – here's the thing. There's a lot of rest bashes out there and giving a player just three weeks – for a pretty bad accusation like this mm-hmm. um, that completely undermines the referees, whether you like them or not. You can't be doing that on the football field and you can't be condoning it. And to only give him three weeks for that, not really that heavy a punishment. Um, it, it's sort of allowing that attitude to continue, which I, you know, I'm, I'm against big time. I'd have given him six weeks. I'd have been happy with that. It makes me wonder that um, if you attack the referees like that and you get three weeks, how many accumulated weeks does Graham Annesley owe? 
because that's all he does every week when well, he does his little PowerPoint presentation. He just breaks down the referees and tells them where they've gone wrong. How long has he been ref's boss for? It's got to be, what, two and a half, three years, something like that. Because mm. oh, I, I, I think he was brought in um, a number of years ago, but it was really under Volandi that he was allowed to be loose and start Hey, Hey, It's the Annesley show. So um, it's just terrible what he does. It's fucking unbelievable. Speaking of uh, Peter Volandis, they're going to change the rules again. Have you heard this? Oh, no. So I, I don't even know why the fuck this is a problem. There was a, a game where they said, a pe- and it was Graham Annesley once again, said that <laughs> there should have been a penalty given just before full time and that teams are giving away six again calls late in games and it is allowing um, games to finish. I don't know. I like, I thought I always thought rugby league games played for 80 minutes and that was it. Well, now what they're looking at doing is if you give away a six again and it's towards the 80th minute, they're going to allow you to play out that set of six even after 80 minutes. <sighs> Seems like a really good idea because they've changed that six again rule about 57 times. It's almost like the six again rule was absolutely ridiculous to bring into the game in the first place, but that can't be the case because Peter Volandi's brought it in and nothing he does is bad. They're slowly trying to phase it out and go back to normal. This is the thing. All they have to do is say, you know what? Hand in the air. We fucked up with the six again thing, the set mm-hmm. restart thing. Bad idea. We're just going to scrap it and go back to the penalty system that we had because that's all you need to do to fix this problem. Yes. But instead of fixing this problem by just rolling back the fuck up to what we used to have, which worked fine, we're just going to attach 7, 8, 9, 35, 207 more fuck-ups on top of the original fuck-up to make things worse, but almost to try and justify the original fuck-up. This is dumber than the West Tigers hiring Tim Sheens as head coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think that when it comes to a rule in rugby league, if you, when you're explaining it to somebody that maybe doesn't know the game that well, if their eyes glaze over, then the rule shouldn't be in place. It's kind of like when Super League brought in the Super 8s and you tried to explain it to someone. We, we just, actually need to find the video that they had on YouTube explaining how the Super 8s work. The Super 8s works, yeah. That video went for like seven minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like when you've got to go that, it's like, okay, so... If they've got the ball in their own half, when they get to the 40-meter line, it can be a penalty. But after that, it can be six again. But if they kick the ball dead, that's seven tackles. But if it's the 79th minute and 55 seconds and they give away a a six-again call, then they're going to play the six-again call and not stop when the last tackle is completed. They're going to go through the whole – and it's like, uh, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. So this this was argued initially when they brought in the um, set restart rule was what happens if a team 
intentionally gives away the sort of penalty that only incurs a set restart, but it used to be a penalty, and it's late in the game, and your team's on the attack, and the scores are level, or they're down by one or something like that, and they give away a set restart. And so you get another set of six. They can they defend it, and they, you don't score a try. But in the past, you would have been able to kick a penalty goal and take the lead and probably win the game. You've now been denied the win, even though the opposition has committed the same infringement that they had, you know, would have cost them the game previously, now allows them to win the game. You know, the other thing it plays into, too, is this everyone needs to be made to feel good. Like, you yeah. know, if if you're attacking the line and you are behind in the game at the 79th minute and 55 second mark and the opposition team gives away six again, guess what? You lost the game, bitch. Like, fucking suck it up. Because you had 80 fucking minutes to win that game and you couldn't do it. It didn't come down to a six again call in the 79th minute. If that's what your game relied upon, then you're lost. And, and yeah. I'm sick of people having a fucking clutch at straws every time they lose a game. Like, th- everyone loses games. Even the Panthers lost a fucking game this year. Like, it, why does everyone need to clutch onto this great hope of, oh, you know what? If we had have had this thing go our way, we would have won. It's like, shut the fuck up. You lost the game. Suck it up. I'm sick of this fucking need for every fucking cunt to need their team to win every game or we got fucked by the referees or the fucking weather was against us or origin. It's like, shut up. The sun doesn't shine out your football team's ass. More people need to be like West Tigers fans and accept it. You know, you're going to lose games. Crushing disappointment is sometimes a good thing. Uh, Well, in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. If it's 11 seasons in a row, it gets a bit old, but still. And, and a bit depressing. Yeah, yeah. A bit dark. Yeah. Well, dark clouds of depression are supposed to lift eventually. I mean, yeah, fuck. I don't know if it's the, the West Tigers being shit for 11 years or living in Melbourne. It's hard to tell at this stage. I kind <laughs> of need the Tigers to make the finals to find out whether my mood improves. I think the last time the Tigers were in a, in a finals series, you weren't even living in fucking Victoria, were you? No, no, no. That's right. <laughs> yeah that's fucking hilarious um <laughs> all right now it's state of origin tonight are you looking forward to it um i might get to watch it <laughs> yeah well look, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be honest i've i've really lost interest in origin these last few years i have you do you know why i don't think it's the contest it once was in what sense? Um, and I'm not talking about just in recent years. I grew, you know, grew up watching State of Origin in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Every game was a fucking battle. Mm-hmm. And very rarely did you see a team win by more than six points or eight points. You know, that's probably about the, the worst. Of it. You, you got beat by eight or the opposition scored 20. You know, they were always so brutal, so close, but still enthralling to watch mm-hmm. and the last I don't know especially the last four or five years 
the games just haven't been as consistently close. There's been quite a few blowouts. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. I'm I'm just not captivated by it anymore. I I think for me the I think that the whole United States of Queensland thing really damaged State of Origin, where you had Queensland putting together an international side and, and moving away from selecting Queenslanders. They they the Queensland Rugby League had something against Queenslanders. It was very weird, and they had that period where they won so many series in a row. And then I think that the series still suffers a little bit from that. Now they, they changed the qualifications of the origin players. And I think that that has helped quite a bit. Um, But I still think that there's, I don't know. I, I agree with you that there's something maybe missing in the state of origin arena that we once had. And part of me thinks that it's maybe, uh, weirdly enough, the international football aspect of, like, you're playing for your test jersey to a certain extent. Yeah. And I think that not having uh, that has hurt uh, over the last few years. And, look, that's COVID. You can't really, you know, do anything about that. But I think I also, think, though, like, you know, sorry to interrupt, but I think yeah. the last um, – maybe 20 years, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear Origin overtook um, international football for Australians. Mm-hmm. Um, that alone was an issue because it meant that Origin became the, the peak and playing rugby league after the grand finals kind of like, oh, do I have to? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I tend to think it was like that for a long time anyway. Like, I feel like it's been like that to a certain extent um, my entire lifetime. I know. You, if you if you listen to some blokes, the blokes who played um, test football, especially in the 90s, they will tell you, you know, that was the greatest honour of my life, where getting that green and gold jumper. Whereas, you know, you don't hear people talk like that anymore. And if they do, it's only because they're doing a promo thing before an Australian test match comes a along. test match, yeah. And look, I understand it because, you know, in the 90s, the mid-90s, when you played a test match against, say, Great Britain, it was contest. Now it's not, you know. Yeah. So you're not being able to play against England or Great Britain and it'd be a contest. And then New Zealand is just all over the place, like – Sometimes they turn up, most of the times they don't. And that's why hopefully these Pacific Island nations, they continue to kick on because there really needs to be that consistently high-performing teams that, and I've talked about this in the past, like I think I've seen one test in my entire lifetime that I've seen Australia not really turn up for a game. Every other game. Yeah, I think it was against New Zealand and they just, they didn't turn up. Um, Every other game, if a team has beaten Australia, they've had to fucking play their arse off. You can't say the same thing about New Zealand and you can't say the same thing about Great Britain slash England. And every other nation, I'll leave them out of it because they're all building up. Like they're trying to get to that sort of level. And we've seen some nations do that. I think the best 
most consistent performer at the moment, funnily enough, is probably Papua New Guinea. Um, and, and that's going to take time, you know. So I, I can't blame Australia for starting to look towards state of origin more because at some point Australian Rugby League had to, you know, the Australian sporting psyche is we like dragons to slay and we move from one dragon to the next one. And at some point, there was no, there were no dragons to slay in the International Rugby League. So no, we could slay we're just each standing other. in a field with dead dragons everywhere. Pretty much, yeah. We were walking up and fucking Great Britain was marching out a gecko for us to stomp on. <laughs> we were just walking around, just getting a big staff and just piercing the head of every dead dragon that's already on the ground going, this is kind of not fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like, so I don't blame Australian Rugby League for that. I, I tend to blame New Zealand and Great Britain for, for that sort of focus changing. But uh, And that's why I'm looking for the, forward to the World Cup at the end of the year because I want to see how the Australian Rugby League system and the players, how they change their focus back to international football and how they do against these international teams. Because if they go out there and they slay it, um, I, I, I think it'll be, I almost think it'll be a bad thing for international rugby league because it will show that some of these other countries, and I only say New Zealand and, and Great Britain slash England, they're just still not up to the mark where they should be. Like, there's no reason that those countries shouldn't be consistent. Yeah. Um. I don't know, I, I kind of blame England more than anything else because they already had all the structures and everything in place. And then they had all that money come into the game, which they, you know, they bent over and... Anyway, they happily took that money. Um, <laughs> and then they pissed it up the wall and mm. done nothing to develop their game or improve their, their game or anything like that. And they just fell away rapidly. Mm-hmm. I can't believe... I mean, I... We should probably go through one day and look at, say, the Great Britain team of 1990 and compare it with the team from 2000 and then another one from 2020. Yeah. And just, and, just to sort of highlight the massive drop in quality over those, over that long period of time and mm-hmm. compare it to the, the changes in the Australian team. And you'll probably still find some great players in that 90s Australian team because that was pretty fucking awesome. But the quality won't drop too severely mm-hmm. along the way. I think 2020 might be a bit iffy. But, you know, it's it's not going to be as harsh a drop as what the British teams had, but that's been savage. Oh, it's been terrible. That's been, like, who's the best English player in the game right now? Jackson Hastings? <laughs> he's, he's in the running, weirdly <laughs> enough. He's in the running. And I don't think he'll ever have anything to do with playing for England again, hey? He might play for Scotland. Does he qualify for Scotland? Why not? Poor bastard. Um, (laughs) Now, (laughs) we're going to do the state of origin odds for Palmerbet.com, our wonderful sponsor in 2022. Um, We're going to go through some of the odds. Uh, There's been a COVID situation in the Queensland camp. And it's really savaged them. And uh, so that shows up in the odds. So on palmerbet.com, in the head-to-head, 
New South Wales are favourites at $1.35 against Queensland's $3.25. The line has been set at eight and a half points head start to Queensland. You can get $1.90 on palmerbet.com for that. With the eight and a half point handicap, $1.90 for New South Wales. Uh, the total points has been set at 39 and a half points. So under that's $1.90. Over that is also $1.90. Um, Munster being out is absolutely brutal for Queensland. Uh, Dearden's been brought in, I believe, to be playing at 5'8". But, man, they're at that's home. A it's a drop. It is a big drop. DCE is a very experienced halfback, though. Um, we've seen him do some pretty good things at halfback when he's had to play a lone hand. I'm surprised they didn't move Hunt into the halves. You could put because you got Harry Grant on the bench. Put him at nine. Mm-hmm. Bring a bring a forward onto the bench. To me, I that just, would have made more sense. I I think that 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 hooker rotation has been so good. It has been, but if you're in a situation where you've just lost Cameron Munster, mm. you want to make sure you're replacing with someone who's at least as capable with him with the basics of halfback play. Mm-hmm. And Ben Hunt, to me, is a much better option than Tom Dearden. And with Harry Grant on the bench, you know, you may not have that, that hooker rotation, but um, you're still going to have that creativity. You're still going to have that very, very good kicking game mm-hmm. at, at the moment. I just feel with Din there, not saying Din's poor, but it's going to be his origin debut, I believe. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to expect him to just do his normal amount of workload he does at an origin at a at an NRL game. So Cherry Evans will take on a lot more of the responsibilities to you know look after him a little bit, I guess. Um, and it's going to be hard for Hunt to do you know, more assistance than what he currently does from hooker. Um, so that's kind of what I'm getting at there. I'd, I'd rather Hunt moves to six and Grant comes in at hooker. And then you, if you want, you can put Dearden on the bench. Um, yeah, I, thought, I wonder if they, they would be thinking about doing that and playing him as the replacement hooker. But I don't know. That just seems like a weird situation to to ask of him in his I, debut game, you know? I wouldn't make him the, the replacement hooker. I'd still use the whole, you know, if, if Harry Grant needs to come off or Hunt does, mm. you can move the other one to hooker and then bring Dead on to slot down at 5'8". So they could still do their hooker stuff. Um, to me, that, that wouldn't be an issue. I just think if you're going to bring in a young half... Um, in a decider. I don't know if I'd chuck him straight into the walls like that. That's it seems a bit crazy. Yeah, it, it it's asking a lot. It's asking a whole lot. It, the, the positive thing for them is they're at home. Um, I'll tell you what they need to do as well. Mm-hmm. They need to move homes to fullback because what Queensland needs is a fullback who's going to do kick returns. Yeah, well, look, Ponga, we've talked about his his kick returns for a couple of seasons now as a fullback. And it's just not what you need out of a current fullback in today's current game. He just doesn't give you enough. Especially uh, not at origin level. No, no. So, so, I mean, that that is a lot of the times in this current series, 
the difference between these two teams is how New South Wales starts a set compared to Queensland. Well, any time that Tedesco gets the ball, you've got to freak out. You know, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. When when Ponga gets the ball at fullback, it's not the same thing, you know. And, and any time that you've got a fullback at any level that you don't have to freak out when they get the ball, I just think that you need, your fullback has to do that. Your fullback has to be an attacking weapon any time they touch the ball any anywhere in the field. Mm. Um, I never worry when Ponga gets the ball that he's going to go the length of the field. No. No, that's right. Um, and at this level, like, even uh, Holmes or Gagai would be a much better option at fullback. They both they both can catch, and they both run the ball back hard. Mm. Queensland needs that. Get on the front foot on your very first tackle. It it makes so much of a difference at Origin level. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just it just seems odd to me. It, it it's a I'm not saying Ponga doesn't deserve to be in the Queensland side. Um, he's got the, the skill set to show that he deserves to be there. But um, just his kick returns is just a, a worry at this level. Yeah, I, I wonder, look, if they had moved Ponga into 5-8, they wouldn't have been shocked, huh? Yeah, that, that wouldn't be a bad idea either. Yeah, but, you know, if they're gonna, if they are actually going to play dead, and I just don't know how that would all work. Um, it just seems like all of a sudden you're moving players around all over the place and that starts to get a bit dodgy, you know. They had Hamasai Tabuai Fadao and Maritoma Longi on the extended bench. You could just move one of those in. You could yeah, have that, put uh, Tabuai Fadao at fullback and you'd have been fine and, and Ponga at six. Yeah, the only thing that – I can't imagine that they've been pumping up Dearden to be making his debut and they wouldn't play him, though, you know. And oh, if they did that, it would be it would be a shitty thing to do. Like I can't imagine Billy Slater's ever going to do that. No, but I mean, same time, after New South Wales learnt that you need to win this game, mm-hmm. I'd be going with the the strongest possible team you can come up with. Yeah, and I think Ponger at six and Tabuai for that fullback probably makes them stronger. Yeah, that worries me more. Yeah, that worries me more for sure. Um. For New South Wales, I, look, Cleary played a lot better in that second game, but it was it was easy to do that, especially in the second half with the way that New South Wales got on a roll. I tend to think this is going to be a really pivotal game for him in terms of how we think of him as an origin player going forward. Um, we've seen players in the past who we've hoped were going to be good at origin level and they just never were able to get the job done. Cleary doesn't actually have that hanging over his head because we've seen some really good performances out of him at state of origin level. But if he comes out in this game and he underperforms, I think it will be something that will carry forward for him. I want to see him come out and be really dominant in this game. And even if New South Wales loses the series, I think we need to see Cleary step up, take control of this New South Wales team, really boss his teammates around and make that role his own because he's going to be the New South Wales halfback for the next like eight years or so, unless somebody unbelievable comes along. And it, it, the time is now. Like I, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. The time of of talking about Nathan Cleary as a young halfback, it's over. He he's here now. He's the standard, and 
it, you know, he can't rely on being a young player anymore. He's got plenty of experience now and uh, he's a premiership winner. He's played enough origin games. Um, he needs to be one of the stars of this game, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fully agree. Fully agree. Um... Now, do you think that Queensland being at home with the eight and a half point head start, like that's juicy on Palmer bet? Yeah, I'm... Queensland, they do get a significant boost in playing at at uh, Suncorp. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Is it enough, though? That's the thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think New South Wales were so dominant in that second half. They're going to have their tails up now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be hard for me to... To go, even if I was to be completely unbiased, it's hard for me to look at how Queensland could could possibly win this game. But I don't think it's going to be the walkover that the the last game was. Yeah, I agree. That the only thing that worries me is that there's been so many times where New South Wales has been in this position, where they've they've been like, all right, second game we played so good, you know, third game we're just going to carry that momentum, and then they get absolutely ambushed and they lose and it's like, well, what the fuck happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's the only thing that gets me about this game. I think if Munster was in the side, um, it would be a little bit of a different thing. Cause he's one of those big game players that can, you know, change the momentum of a series like this. But as soon as I found out that they'd lost him, it just really sucks. It, it was really shaping up as this colossal showdown between these two teams. Mm. And Munster is just one of those great origin players, I think it's fair to say. Um, And see him not in this this decider, it's just such a shame because he's he's got got the spicy flu. He's got got a fair bit of the Dale Shearer about him in a Queensland jumper, hasn't he? He does, yeah, he does. Doesn't matter what his form's like anywhere. Put him in a Barone jumper. He just turns out and just fucking destroys teams. And he's also got that thing of like, when he's on and he gets the ball, it just everything he does is horrifying. Yeah. And you just, yeah, you hate him. You <laughs> hate everyone around him because he's just so damn good. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, he's got that. I don't want to compare him directly to him, but he's got that little bit of the Wally Lewis about him where it's just like, this guy's fucking bigger and stronger and faster and knows everything that's happening around him. And you know what? Has that time mm. and that that clutch moment sort of stuff, like knows when to pull out what play when. That was mm-hmm. the thing in the, that first Origin game was the amount of one-on-one strips he did and how many times he got... He, he did them effectively and at the right time. Mm. Um, insane. Unbelievably talented. But, yeah, definitely got a bit of that about him. He's Look, he's more he's more of a king than uh, Clint Gutherson will ever be. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, he, first of all, he doesn't call himself the king. That's That's key. I, I've learned in my life that people that call themselves the king of anything are absolute jerks, Andrew. Is that every person? Every fucking person. Jerks. Uh, a lot of them. But robots and freaks are different. 
Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That's that's completely. They're not people, so they're different. They're completely different. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just a. It's like apples and oranges, really. Exactly. I don't know how, but it just is. Yeah. Well, they're all fruit. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm taking it you're picking New South Wales. Yeah. Um, how much by? I'm going by eight points. Eight points. Yeah. So, have you got a score prediction? I'll go twenty-two fourteen. Twenty-two fourteen. Um, I, I saw that as a test of my mathematical acumen. <laughs> I'm just. I'm taking your word for it that that added up to eight points difference. Um, I always find it difficult to be impartial when it comes to origin. I think that it's going to be, I I don't think it'll be a blowout. I I tend to think it's going to be eight to 10 points difference. So, and I think I'm going to, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say 30 points to 18. That's 12 points. I know. I know. I'm allowed to pick my points. <laughs> <laughs> now let's have a look at some of the statistics markets, hey? Most meters gained in uh, first two oh. You really toe. So uh, on palmerbet.com, here's two dollars sixty. Get on it. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, Daniel Tupo's on here in the first group. He is uh, $5.70. I don't think it'll be him. James Tedesco's the favourite here at $1.80. But I, I like to owe as well. I think um, the only thing that might impact to owe from getting it is the fact that Tedesco is also no slouch at doing kick returns. Mm-hmm. And it depends where Queensland kicks the ball, I guess. They're going to kick it to Tuo's wing an awful lot, then Tuo will get it. If they're going to kick it straight down the middle, then Tedesco will get it. But I'd be inclined to go with Tuo because he will take the first hit up more often than not, and that yeah. won't be a slouchy run either. Yeah, he's uh, it, it, it's he's it's crazy how many meters he makes as a winger, and as a dude that's not the tallest dude ever, but he's just built like a fucking battleship. It's absolutely insane. Um. Let's have a look at some other. Okay, so player performance here. I'm guessing this is tackles. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans. So over 37 and a half tackles, $1.88. Under 37 and a half tackles, $1.88. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think. I'm, I'm thinking like an under on that one. Yeah, I think I would go under on it as well. Uh, let's have a look at what other markets we've got here. Player matchups, player performances. What about uh, uh, margin markets, first half markets? Okay, what about uh, try scoring markets? Most tries, A versus B. Okay. So who will score the most tries? James Tedesco or Kalen Ponga? Tedesco. Tedesco. He's at $2.50, $2.65 over Ponga. And if it's yeah. a tie, it's $1.86. Ponga's at $5.30. So if you think Ponga's going to have an awesome match, that's one to do. Uh, time markets. Time of first try. What else we got? Time of last try. Will there be extra time? You'd take no on that one, yeah? 
Oh, yeah, that's one more one. <laughs> Damn it. If you think there's going to be extra time, you get 15 bucks. Ooh, that's pretty good. For Origin match, Suncorp Stadium. It's not out of the question. Not at all. Team leading after 60 minutes. That's a bit random. Yeah. The, well, you can do team leading after 10, 20. Okay. Uh, after 60 minutes. After 60 minutes. Oh. If, if Queensland's leading after 60 minutes, $3.34 on palmerbet.com. It wouldn't surprise me, you know. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. They're I'm, at home. I, I fully expect Queensland to be probably, if not level, maybe ahead at half time. And New South Wales will have to come out of the sheds at half time and play catch up footy, which I think they probably prefer a little bit. I, I think New South Wales are better at running down a score than Queensland. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's weird because they kind of have to be a lot of the time, don't they? Yeah. Like, it, it's really strange how they get themselves in that situation where they've They've got to chase the Queenslanders. Um, if you had to pick an any-time try scorer. Oh, uh, probably Tupo. Daniel Tupo. Yeah. And, one, yeah. and uh, Cleary. Okay, Daniel Tupo's at $1.97. Nathan Cleary. Let me find him. There's so many names here. Uh, Burton. By the way, has hasn't it been funny how much talk about the kicking, the the big bombs from Burton has been in the media? Like all of a sudden they've realised that NRL players can kick ball the ball really far. Yes, really weird. Uh, Nathan Cleary, four dollars ten anytime try scorer. I really like that. The thing is, he hasn't shown it too much at Origin level, but Cleary is a pretty handy try scoring player. I mean, he's had three seasons where he's bagged 10 or more tries for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only scored two origin tries, I believe. Is that right? Oh, really? Is that all? No, he, he scored, I think he scored two in the last game, didn't he? Yeah, but I think they're the only origin tries he scored. Really? Yeah, I don't think he scored before. That's crazy. Let me have a look. Because he's such a, he's an amazing ball runner. Yeah, like and he's, a, He's not afraid to take on the line, close to the line either. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the first time he scored tries. That's insane. That's insane. I tell you what, I love Ben Hunt as an anytime try scorer any like for any game. Well, he's really good for the Dragons at that. Yeah. In this game on palmerbet.com, $7.75. Ooh. That's fucking good value. You know what's, you know what's amazing? He's, I think, let me have a look. I've got to check that shit out. I think Nathan Cleary and Ben Hunt have both played 13 Origins. No. Huh? Cleary's played 12, Ben Hunt's played 13, but they both scored two tries each. That's crazy. I, I would have thought Ben Hunt was way more experienced eh, at Origin level. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about, Nathan Cleary. This thing of like, oh, he's a young halfback, he's, it's over. Like, he's got plenty of Origin games under his belt. I know that it... You know, relatively speaking, he's still a young halfback. But it, this is a dude with so much experience. The young halfback thing's finished now. Nah, man. Luke Brooks is still a young halfback. <laughs> well, young Matt Moylan. Exactly. 
<laughs> well, I believe just um, signed a two-year contract extension too. I know. How crazy is that? And Pretty sure, well, though, he's he's taken a pretty savage pay cut the last few years. Well, when I heard he'd signed the contract extension, I, I, I wasn't – I didn't think what are Cronulla doing, which is crazy because – if it was this time last year, I would have been blowing up saying, what the hell are Cronulla doing? He's yeah. going okay, you know? He's, he's actually finally got a half partner who knows how to use him. Mm. And that's made a world of difference. Instead of teams constantly thinking that Moylan is their saviour at halfback, they finally got themselves someone who's a genuine halfback who knows how to use Moylan when he needs to use him. And Moylan's learnt um, that he had a running game. Yeah, yeah, and th- look, that was always his strength, his running game. Mm. You know, running with, and he he's one of those players. And the, the, look, the early comparisons to Lockyer were a bit silly, but the reasons why they were there is because when he would run, he'd have the ball in two hands. He didn't know if he was going to pass it or not, and by the time you you worked that out, he was gone. Yeah. So right. those comparisons weren't as silly as Luke Brooks's and next Andrew Johns. Well, <laughs> sometimes we make mistakes. Okay, so man of the match markets. Pick your man of the match. Uh, ooh. Damn, there's some good prices here. I'll, I'll go Cleary. Nathan Cleary. He's the favourite at palmerbet.com, $3.75. If I said uh, Josh Papali'i as the player of the match, would you be absolutely shocked? Like, would you say there's no way? Um, no, I, I could I could accept Papali'i being the best player on the field. The mm-hmm. problem isn't so much with him being the best on the field. I think that's definitely definitely plausible. Mm-hmm. It's more. These awards do tend to go to playmakers more often than not. Oh, yeah, and we talked about that. We talked yeah. about that. But, like, we've seen Josh Papali'i be the best player in the state of origin field before, right? Yeah. yeah. $151. Whoa. Is he, is he the longest odds? No, the longest odds, Selwyn Cobbo at $201, which makes sense. He'd have to score... He'd have to score like three tries and two of them beat. Yeah, he's only $50 more than a bloke playing in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. Um, Get on Papa Lee. How about Talakai, $201? Yeah, well, he's on the bench. Daniel Tupo, $176. <laughs> He'd have to do something bloody special. I can't imagine him getting it. It's like Josh Papa Lee's at $151. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up just having one of those games. He has them every so often. But Jai Arrow is $151. He's, he's not going to do it, you know. Um, who's some other players here that um, that are like, like Brian Toto, 81 bucks. He runs for, say, 300 metres. You could see that happening. Yeah. Um, Dane Gagai. Could yeah. you see him doing it? What about Matt Burton? He, he could put up like 45 bombs that hit the moon. 
21 dollars mm. not bad not bad that's doable happy coruscant maybe scores a couple couple of tries out of dummy half makes it's gonna be hard tackles. for the for the hookers to get it though both given that there's four of them yeah that's a good point that's a real good point um isaiah owes 15 bucks I could easily see him being man of the match, eh? Yeah. Yeah? You're not yeah. convinced? How about, well, no, I wouldn't be so. I'd probably think that the price is a bit short. You reckon for Isaiah Yo? Not much, but I think I think it's a bit short. Okay. Um, uh, what about Jake Trebojevic? Jake Trebojevic. Oh, I was looking at his name just now. Where is he? Jake Trebojevic, $34. Because, see, he's going to be playing a very similar sort of role to Yo. Yeah. So I think they're both, they should both be around the sort of same sort of mark. They're both going to be in that middle of the field, um, ball playing sort of stuff. Uh, so I'd probably have him around those sort of marks. See, to me, it's crazy that Jake is at $34. And Josh Papali is at $151. Yeah, that's nuts. That's fucking crazy. They should all be around the same. All those yeah, middle, yeah. All those, you know, four, uh, props and locks should all be around the same price. They're all in the middle there. Jacob Saifidi. Oh, well, he can be about 400 to 1. He's $101. Oh, you can get off. better money for Josh Papali. Fuck off. We should all go to palmabet.com, right? I know we say gamble responsibly, okay? I know we say that. You should gamble responsibly. Get all the money you've got, right? And the money you don't have. <laughs> I'm not saying to go and borrow money, okay? Just, you know, credit cards have limits, but these limits can be moved. You're going to make 151 bucks for every dollar. Yeah. Just for Bali. That's all right. Put everything oh, you've got on there and the house. And uh, make sure when you do win that you just flip a few coins our way for helping you out. Yeah, that would be handy. Yeah. Uh, this is about? completely responsible. This <laughs> Gamble responsibly, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> what about, I'm trying to... Give people uh, all gamble so that we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so they're, they're the main markets on palmerbet.com. Gamble responsibly, okay? But put all your money on Josh Papali, man of the match. Yeah, responsibly put all your money on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay all your bills, then put everything you've got left over on there. You'll well, be fine. The important bills, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the electricity one to run the TV. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, thank you to palmerbet.com for supplying the the betting odds for State of Origin. We're going to be doing a um a, a preview of the upcoming NRL round, but we'll do that after the State of Origin game so that we know the ins and outs and stuff. I saw that Penrith had um decided to rest all of their Origin players against the West Tigers. Well, when you're playing the buy round, you don't want to injure anyone. <laughs> True. <laughs> Just have, having a quick sneaky peek at the odds for that game. Penrith's and it's weird because it's my team against your team. I don't even think of it that way. Side. I was going to say, Penrith could run out their SG ball team and beat this West Tiger side. Okay, so Penrith, the favourites for the game. $1.37. Yeah. 
the West Tigers at three dollars ten. Wow, Not that's that? short. <laughs> you reckon? I don't know. The Tigers are three dollars. They should never be three dollars unless they're playing a team from. Oh, unless they're playing a team from Championship or League One. I'd put them at three dollars then. The West Tigers have a eight eight and a half point head start. What do you think that's about that? Way short. That's at one dollar ninety. I don't know what the weather's going to be. The over-under for this game is set at 40.5 points. I would take the over on that one. Penrith will score 40 points on their own. There's that possibility. It honey. doesn't matter what the weather is. They can play in a fucking puddle. Actually, just play in the Pacific Ocean. They'll still score 40. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. you know, the Tigers will be having fun. Let me just see if there's any other blowout. Uh, odds this round. There's not really not not like to that extent. Parramatta Eels are at one dollar fourteen against the New Zealand Warriors, who are at uh, five dollars eighty. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans. Well, the Gold Coast Titans are at two dollars ninety three against the Brisbane Broncos, who are at one dollar forty one. The Broncos are dealing with a few injuries, though I think. Mm. Um, and you know, you never know with those games. Those Queensland Derbies. Yeah. But yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a full preview of those games after Origin anyway. But uh but I, yeah. I might look, I won't make any promises. I might make a guest appearance. Oh, you're going you're going to turn up. <laughs> yeah. I might. I might. If you know if the coin's good, I might turn up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, last night for for our listeners we were going to record, and I messaged Andrew very early on and said, dude, I will be sound asleep. <laughs> so we can't record, and I fell asleep. Yeah. And uh, I believe I replied at about midnight. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because I was already asleep when you sent me that message. <laughs> we're old men. That's hilarious. We're in bed by seven. Anyway, it's been a good episode. Um, hope everyone enjoys the State of Origin game. Go New South Wales. I hope that we crush those dirty, filthy Queenslanders. Um, mm. Eight to ten point victory, 18 points to 30. Yeah, eight to ten. That's that's solid. That's good, eh? Just for <laughs> Parley. You, you, went to the, you went to the same schools as Mass as uh, James Hooper when he was doing car evaluation prices. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> By the way, this you know what's been really weird? Leading up to this Origin game, people started out saying, like, why is um, RCG not in the New South Wales team? And it's like, you know, New South Wales just went in a different direction. It's not like RCG's one of the best props in the game. It's like you could pick, you know, a bunch of players. But anyway, so then at some point, some idiot in the media started this rumour that Brad Fittler had a problem with him. Like, Brad Fittler's got this fucking grudge against RCG. Well, that didn't hold any water. Fittler was such a placid human. He doesn't have grudges against anyone. It's fucking ridiculous, right? So then there was this thing of, well, the Panthers players had a a problem with their former teammate, RCG, and I'm thinking to myself, most of them probably didn't even play with him. And if they did, it's not like he's this fucking big, huge personality. Like, he's he's a nice enough dude. Like... What yeah. the fuck are they talking about? Plus, he's been gone for a few years. Yeah. Like, other than the West Tigers, everyone moves on from that stuff pretty quickly. 
Yeah, there's, there's only one bitchy team in the NRL. We don't and know it's only, it's only the team. It's just so weird. And then there was with the um, there was some stuff that was between the um, when Reese Walsh decided he was going to leave the New Zealand Warriors, and instead of going to the Dolphins, he was going to go to the Brisbane Broncos. Mm-hmm. And so then there were people in the media saying, well, the the New Zealand Warriors have a real issue with the football manager at the Dolphins and, you know, so they weren't ever going to release him to the Dolphins and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, these people are supposed to be fucking sports journalists, not gossip columnists. But they're insiders. What do you remember? It's just so weird. Yeah, they're shit. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I'd bring that up. That's Um, a very fair point. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's been great having you on the podcast, Andrew. <laughs> it's been great. I'm, I'd like to apologise to uh, James Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he wanted more of a blow-up from me about the whole Tim Sheens thing. I've kind of burnt all the blow-ups out. I, I kind of feel a bit like um, that numbnuts coach in the night. <laughs> yeah, you can you, you can only throw... You can only throw, like, books across the room so many times before yeah. everyone tunes you out and is like, oh, this... I forgot his name because he's unimportant and he's shit. Um, he's, he's such a poor coach. I'm surprised he hasn't been the Tigers coach yet. I'm just, well, the year isn't over yet. Um, I, I'm just waiting for the next suggestion from Matthew Johns as to who'd be a great coach for the Knights because it's going to be a funny one. You know who I bet they'll say? Rick and Morley. Yes. You fucking got it. Because he's it. a former Knight. He's a former. He's a former knight. He's a he's a former fucking Novacastrian. Yeah, bring him home. Yeah, you bring him home. Talk about bringing him home. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you, he didn't get a really good run at the Tigers. Yeah, he'll be really good. Remember when when um, Matty Johns gave Garth Garth Brennan a big push? Yeah, this guy's a great coach. He's going to make a great NRL coach. Garth Brennan was so bad that he just sort of disappeared like you didn't even know when he got sacked it just sort of he just disappeared I, I remember him I think his last game as coach was at Penrith wasn't it I don't know I remember the, the footage kept panning to him in the coach's box and he just looked like a man who'd already been sacked <laughs> <laughs> and then he got sacked isn't it that is weird when you see like Maguire didn't have that which was kind of weird. But then there's other situations where you see coach and you just fucking know. Like Paul Langmack had that big time. Poor old yeah. Paul Langmack. Craig Coleman had that. It's just some coaches where they, they pan to them in the coach's box and it's like, we all know. Everyone knows. We're all just waiting. The poor bastard. Yeah. Yeah, I was right. It was against Penrith. They lost 24 to 2. It was in 2019. 2019. I wonder what Garth Brennan's doing now. Um, I don't know. They probably should all just go to Super League. I was going to say, he's probably on the Gold Coast with um, Ash Taylor having a few coffees. <laughs> How good is that Gold Coast coffee, by the way? Oh. Keeps you up. Keeps you awake. It's going to be very close to competing with Melbourne coffee soon, except it's probably healthier for you. <laughs> Probably. I can't wait until I start talking about coffee shortages. You know how they um they did the oh, lettuce? Poor old Melbourne will shut down. Yeah, yeah. But I heard that there was a coffee. I don't even know who sells it, but it was like they said it was an Australian 
twist on it and they like they they grind up like uh it's something ridiculous like wattle seeds into it okay yeah just to make given an australian twist yeah that seems a bit weird mm mm would you, the, say, uh, would you say that's weirder though than the um SPC's latest combination of baked beans with Vegemite? I think it is weirder, yeah. To me, that is some sick shit. Do you do you like Vegemite at all? I like Vegemite. Mm. I don't mind baked beans. I don't eat them often, but I can eat them if I need to. But never once in my life have I ever thought about both of those things at the same time. Ever. Yeah. I, they I, are in a can together. I'm not fuck? a Vegemite person, hey. Oh, so you, so you, that's understandable. You're Welsh. I'm not fucking Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fucking Welsh. If I was Welsh, I wouldn't have an award-winning podcast, eh? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Name, name. Name three famous Welsh people and don't say the words Tom Jones or Catherine Zeta-Jones. I was going to say, name three famous Welsh people and don't use the word Jones. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, can you name a single famous Welsh person? <laughs> oh, look, surely they've got plenty of them, haven't they? Well, name fucking one of them. <laughs> I don't go around watching celebrities. Exactly, because there are none in Wales. <laughs> well, even the the ones that are famous from Wales actually uh, don't live there. Probably. All right. Um, off the top of my head, not looking at Google, Shirley Bassey. She's Welsh, eh? She's still yeah. alive. I don't know. I think um, she's still alive. I, I legit can't think of anyone else other than people with surnames of Jones. Just all Joneses. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, hang, on. hang on. Isn't mm. is Anthony Hopkins from Wales? I don't, I thought he was English. It's all the same. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Wales is really just a suburb. <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah, it's just it's just Campbelltown. Pretty much. It's like Cardiff is Campbelltown. But that's yeah, I think that's pretty fair. That seems fair. Yeah. Um, have you been hit hard by the lettuce shortage? Um, I've I've heard about it. Yeah. But no, no. I think the hardest I've been hit is is um looking looking on uh you know food delivery places mm-hmm. and going, do I get a Zinger burger because I don't want to get one that's got cabbage on it. Yeah. <laughs> And so I'll go, I won't take the risk. I'll buy something else instead. And then you go go to a porter and you go, do I, oh, I can't, I don't know. Are, are a porter putting cabbage shit instead of lettuce on their burgers? It reminds me of the West Tigers player recruitment where the answer is always just replace it with cabbage. <laughs> they always start with, they start with cabbage and they replace it with spinach. Who <laughs> <laughs> we want is fucking lettuce. Fucking spinach, oh, what? Well, it's been a very good conversation about rugby league, about state of origin, and about uh, whales and cabbage. Um, yeah, we've we've done a pretty good circle there. Yeah, tell us about your website, Andrew. 
Um, yeah, roguelyproject.org. We've been mm. doing a bit of work on it recently, and we're adding some more um, details to it, which we, hopefully we might start putting some of that through before the end of the year. So we, mm. we're looking at putting in, at the moment, score lines for reserve-grade games in the New South Wales Rugby League. Um, just just to see what we can find. Because once we put the scoreline in there, it creates a match record. So if we find team lineups, then we'll put them in as well. So you might start to get more of a um, picture or a story, I guess, of a player's full um, senior career. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're thinking of working on there. Um yeah, doing a lot of work on the the English game at the moment as well, getting that that stuff um, elite because mm-hmm. no one else is buying me. Well, like rugby league project is the number one place for English rugby league statistics. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, we were the first, and to this date, still the only resource you can find in print or online that's got the scoreline of every single uh, Challenge Cup game. Including those early rounds against amateur teams and stuff. We've got every single scoreline mm-hmm. from day one. They're all that, there. That's why when people want rugby league statistics, they go to rugby league project because you go to the best and that's it. That's all you need and it's all yeah. free. Um, any other projects coming up? Any Anything in the pipeline? Um, the um, now annual Rugby League project annual that we have with that we do in conjunction with uh, League Unlimited. That's mm-hmm. going to be even more thorough, mm-hmm. and it will actually have an absolute first in it for English fans. Um, but I won't give away too much there. Yeah, yeah. Just keep something. Just keep the keep them wanting more. Keep the audience yeah. wanting more. So we'll be providing something in a in a rugby league annual. Um for English fans that English fans have never had in a rugby league annual before. As far as I can remember, I mean, I'm going back to 1980, 81 anyway. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, thank you to everyone for listening. This has well, been... Well, hang on a sec. What about your oh. website? Well, my website is called leaguefreak.com. My website's been around since 2004, hey? Yeah, since before the internet. Pretty much. My website is older than, I believe, Google and YouTube. Yeah, that's impressive. Mm, except for if you look at how much they're all worth, and then it's just a crying shame. Um, yeah, go to leaguefreak.com. Check out the lookalikes. People love the lookalikes. And oh, I need yeah, to start yeah. writing more. I've been may, way more dedicated to the podcast lately. And uh, I mean, yeah, I must admit, I've not done a great deal of writing. Yeah, well, once you can talk about the game the way that we do and reach the giant audience that we've got, it's like you can get your your nuanced thoughts out there a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. You can also say cunt whenever you want to. That's always good. I find when you drop random cunts in an article, it just people get turned off by it. Yeah, they, they sort of get hung up on it a bit, don't they? Yeah, but I, like we do podcasts and you just say cunt, whatever, cunt this, cunt that. People love it. Yeah, they thirst for it. So, oh, love a good cunt. <laughs> um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, tune in to our State of Origin review 
and our upcoming NRL preview for round 18. Sweet. Palmer bet with the big, don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.